0: and Welcome to Runners Radio, I am your host Rick Mirabella and today joining us for the deep dive, she was if you can believe this listener is the founding member of the Runners family right back at the beginning of 2007, she is a massive driver of the culture in here still every morning, she's a 7 time marathoner, has completed numerous mountain runs around the nation, she's an educator of the highly disabled and now coaches here at Runners HQ in Melbourne three or four times a week to boot. Listeners, we are so stoked to welcome Lisa Wilson. G'day, Willow. Hello. Hey,
1: Ricky. Thanks man. for having me.
0: Fantastic to have you here, mate. Now, for the listeners, we have had a technical issue of one of our mics, so we'll be running off one mic today, but you won't notice a thing, I promise that. Before we get stuck into the nitty-gritty, Willow, I just want you to take us back to the young Lisa Wilson growing up in suburban Melbourne and also just a bit about your sport, your family and possibly take us through to the end of high school when um, in your early 20s you, you did something miraculous. But first we'll go right back to the days of early Lisa Wilson.
1: Okay, so, so I was born in 1970, um, at the time my dad, I, I come from my father's background is potato farming and his father and in fact my great grandfather. So. My first four or five years of life was on a farm in a place called Hodles Creek. And um, so that was, yeah, that was, that was the early days. The farm didn't go that great. So we ended up, when I was about five, moving to Spring Bar South and pretty much lived there for the rest of my childhood. I'm the youngest of three, so I've got two older brothers. And yeah, so went to state schools, uh, Spring Bar South primary, Heather Hill High. In terms of sport, I started ballet when I was about five and I did that for 10 years, so a mixture of classical, jazz and modern ballet. And dabbled in a bit of basketball, a bit of tennis, wasn't great at that. Um, a bit of a claim to fame was when I was 15, I played indoor cricket. When that, that became all the rage, there was an indoor cricket um, centre opened up in Springy South. and I ended up playing in a mixed team with Damien Fleming. So Flemo and I used to bat together, which was pretty cool. And I was a terrible bowler, but he was a great bowler, obviously. And um, yeah, so that was a lot of fun back then. I wasn't into running. I'm pretty sure I wagged cross country in in the high school days, but I loved the sprints. So when it came to track and field days, I loved the 100 meter, 200 meter sprints and relays. So yeah, that's just a little bit about my early days.
0: So um, there's a few things there. I guess like the work rate is is always usually passed down, I guess, throughout through generations. And um, your dad being a spud farmer, Mm. there's not many harder workers than that. So that's one thing. And the the um the ballet, a decade long of ballet. Clearly, I've seen you in the. In a running sense, a distance running, both distance running and, and lactic work. I've seen you in the weights room for over twelve years, and you certainly stuff stays with you on a neurological mm-hmm. level as well. So that's 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 really cool. Post high school, you obviously did you get jumping straight into education and take us to where you travel around the world and end up in some pretty cool destinations.
1: Yeah, so I finished high school and got into teaching, so I did a, um, a Bachelor of Education down at um, Frankston, which is Peninsula Campus, Monash now. Um, that took me to 22 and then I I worked a little bit as a teacher here in Melbourne before I had very itchy feet. I'd always sort of wanted to travel overseas and I decided to go and work in London and teach in London. So. So I took my backpack over there, settled there for a couple of years, and made it my base, taught in um, various primary schools around London, and then travelled on the holidays, like school holidays and things like that. I used to go to Europe, uh, America. Uh, when, in 96, my, my travelling journey got cut short, I had to fly home. My parents were going through a divorce at the time, so I, I felt the need to cut that all short, come home and sort of help them out a bit so I did that spent six months at home Um, I kind of got a little bit depressed felt um, that I wasn't really appreciating life uh, as I should as a 25 year old so I made a decision to travel to Africa and I chose Africa because I thought well it's a developing continent it's third world and I really need a gratitude lesson so I took off um, in, I think it was about April of 96, and I bought a ticket to Nairobi in Kenya. Um, it was a ticket into, yeah, into Kenya, and then a six six months later, a ticket out of Cape Town in South Africa. I had a secondhand um, Lonely Planet Africa book. I had no um, idea really what I was going to do. I just, I booked no tours or anything. I didn't really know much about Africa um but i thought well you know i'd heard that you know i'd heard of other people and met other people on my travels that had been and loved it so i thought i'll i'll do it so so i'll never forget flying into nairobi being the capital of kenya and um remember walking through the airport thinking wow i haven't even booked any accommodation but um oh well, well surely this bible lonely planet will help me out um and i do remember really noticing the color of my skin obviously i felt clearly a minority and also the fact that the color of my skin to other people in Africa um, meant a sign of wealth even though I wasn't wealthy I was I didn't have much money on me at all but to the Kenyans and and the rest of the Africans I met along the way I think they you know obviously say, you know see that I'm a westerner and and I've got money but um so I traveled traveled around Kenya I had a girlfriend um, that came with me as well she had um, just broken up in a relationship so three weeks before i took off she decided to come along her name's jane and we're very similar people so it was easy to travel together we traveled up to we tried to travel up to ethiopia um to do some aid work but um as we got up to northern kenya um the weather gods wouldn't allow it and it was flooded out and we just couldn't get get into ethiopia so we um ended up kind of marooned for about four days in a town called Marillel, which was home to only Samburi Warriors. So it was just a village. Uh, We were the only um, Westerners there, let alone female Westerners. And we didn't speak their dialect of Swahili, and they certainly didn't speak English. So we were basically there with them for four days, uh, waiting for any transportation to take us anywhere else. (laughs) Um, And finally a bus came along, and uh, we ended up in Uganda. So that's that's pretty much how we travelled for the six months. It was just, there were no plans, we just went with the wind. Um, We traveled through Uganda, which was a beautiful, agriculturally rich country, made our way to Rwanda. We wanted to go to Rwanda because we wanted to travel, um, we wanted to trek and and see the gorillas, the the mountain gorillas. Um, And knowing that, you know, there aren't many left in the world, we, yeah, it was a a big highlight for us. Rwanda was a very big, um, had a really big impact on me because um, so, so this was '96 that I was there, but I still saw the aftermath of the genocide of '94, where I think within a hundred days, eight hundred thousand people were killed. Um, so, you know, I, you know, I got to see people still displaced communities trying to flee Rwanda to Uganda. I remember um, visibly seeing a a line, a queue of people. I'm lining up um, for a refugee camp and I was in a train and the train was going slowly at about 40 kilometers an hour. But I just couldn't believe that that the line was never-ending and there were people families just with um, you know, a sarong full of all of their possessions or um, You know a, a woven basket on their heads carrying everything that they ever had So that was a massive gratitude lesson for me and really all of Africa was you know um, You know I the sense of community like going into villages where you know as again we'd be the only westerners and um people would give up their their food and um they'd give us a bed for the night or um you know they'd help us with transport um but that that's that's the sense of community that you know africa's all about it's pretty amazing
0: which is yeah that which is an amazing like the reason you went over there obviously was for a few reasons Gratitude and, and and trying to discover yourself again mm. would have been one of the main ones. Two young female white Australians in their early to mid twenties. Mm. How, at that time especially, how safe did you feel day to day? And the um, what was some of your living conditions that you experienced? Just give us a few details of the the real like the real tough type of stuff.
1: So. I I think in places like Kenya and Uganda, um, I didn't feel um, unsafe in that I felt that people were going to rob me or mug me for the things I had because I really travelled. We travelled lightly. We travelled with no jewellery. We never really had money on us. We we wore very um, old clothes. You know, ripped jean shorts and and old t-shirts and things like that. So we didn't look. Apart from the colour of our skin, we didn't really look wealthy. Um, I, it was dangerous, though, in terms of um, you know the modes of transport and things like that. I, I must admit, I remember you know traveling in buses and the back of utes and, and things like that. Thinking, gosh, you know, it, you know the road conditions and everything were terrible. So I thought, golly, yes, you know, is today going to be the last day? We and we really <laughs> did think like that. Um, but um, yeah, so yeah, that was tough. I. I remember, though, travelling into South Africa, and then I, I sort of, you know, there's a lot of more, there's a lot more crime down there, so that was very dangerous. I felt, yeah.
0: So South Africa is it Joe Joburg? Joburg. So you, you went, you went to all that. Now tell us about South Africa quickly, and then we'll get on to, then we'll get on to the. Um, I want to ask about the bit about the running in Kenya, but we'll get on to that first. But South Africa and how that affected you as well, as far as, as far as gratitude and just. How good how good have we got in Australia?
1: Yeah, so that, so that was coming um, out of the apartheid situation. So, you know, um, the Nelson Mandela days, um, there was, look, high crime. You know, there were a lot of displaced people there. Um, I, yeah, we really did feel unsafe in terms of, um, you know, worried about... We certainly couldn't walk around on their own. I remember in Joburg when we were there, we were told, you know, just don't go out after five. So, that was really terrible and also, you know, there were a lot of carjackings and things like that. People were, you know, we're in taxis where, you know, the taxi driver would say, look, I'm not stopping through the red light, we'd roll through because they just wouldn't want to stop for the fear of being carjacked. So, yeah, it was pretty full on. Um, but again, with Africa, you know, that, um, yeah, something that I learned from Africa was that people. Look like they had nothing but really they had everything you know they had all they needed so and that 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 was a big thing for me especially in the eastern central parts of africa you know going into villages and and thinking geez you know they don't really have much at all but they were very happy and really they had everything they needed so yeah
0: that's yeah, yeah that's amazing and that's what we really um i knew look you've got so many uh, i believe gifts to to share with with everyone listeners the kids you teach and the athletes you coach. But um, I think that'll probably be the ongoing theme throughout our our chat today. With, With the, I guess in this day and age, as we sit here in 2019, there's lots of organised travel to Kenya and Ethiopia, running camps, lots of Westerners planning, training camps and all that kind of stuff. So it is kind of the thing to do now, which, and I'd love to do it as well, but I, th- I guess you experience that. It's, you get to see the nations, and you get to. But it's still very filtered view. Whereas the way you guys did it was uh, certainly not filtered. Like you, mm-hmm. you threw yourself mm-hmm. wholeheartedly in. Did you? You weren't even in the on the same ballpark as running in your in, no. in running space yet. But did you see much running in Kenya or even I guess some of the other countries? But it's obviously especially Kenya at that stage in your life, or you just were totally oblivious to it anyway.
1: Well, well, running was obviously not a big thing to me at the time, but i, I mean, I did notice um, people. I mean, young children, especially, would have to tra- travel long distances to get anywhere. So, you know, running, running really is one of the modes of transport. And you know, I, you know, I met kids that ran to school. You know, it was a long way, but they, you know, they would have to run to school because it would take them way too long to walk um yeah so you know in that aspect i i suppose i saw you know running in terms of a mode of transport for people
0: and then obviously the people over there will move off africa very shortly but the like you said the ability to see the good in everything Mm -hmm. and the fact that they had nothing materialistic but they had everything they needed and i feel like there is a big push in western society to get back to that kind of living and i think that the people that are happiest are always the people that are possibly aware that they don't need much to be happy they can they can whatever they've got they've got and it's simple it's just as simple as that you came out of africa you became you continue teaching in melbourne how did we get into this disabled space because this is a massive part of who you are and I'll quickly fill the listeners in on that but i want you to express it but lisa's in here every day at 5am or even before 5am mm-hmm. so sometimes she, she comes at quarter to 5am she's always she's always training in here every day but she's also a coach in here and and helps me a lot so she's in here every morning she brings me a, a nice coffee every morning from <laughs> mcdonald's drive through and she which is lovely of it and she's ready to go now this is always energetic always positive mm. Training herself, of course, but always helping the other. Well, by the time she leaves, she sees about sixty or seventy people at the time she gets out of here. So then she goes off to or gets her beautiful twins to school. We'll get to them later, and then goes and teaches. At the moment, we're to, we're teaching kids at school from grade um what do we got there?
1: So well, I teach at a local special school with um, it's a, there's an EEP early education section plus a primary and secondary section I teach in the secondary area um, I in disability so probably my mum taught my mum was a social worker and she fell into a career firstly in mental health but then into disability so when I was going through uni Um, and mum was working in disability. I happened to work with mum just, you know, it was a means to pay for my uni course at the time. I didn't realize that that would be the career I would eventually come back to but um, and I loved it, you know. So I think when I came back from overseas I did a little bit of mainstream teaching, but I really had a yearn to um, go back into disability work. So Being a teacher, I thought, well, you know, I can use my teaching degree and work in in special ed. Um, I love it. It's, you know, I've sort of had um, 25 years experience now, I suppose, working in in this sector. And, um, you know, every day is a gratitude day. You know, every single day I go to school, I, um, you know, and I'm teaching kids, you know, I see how some people really do it tough, and many people have no idea. Many people have no idea how how some people live, how families live and cope with raising a child with special needs. So, um, you know, it's a big passion of mine to also, I think, to Ricky helping people. We all learn. Um, we all have things that. Um, we do to make ourselves feel good, and we can talk about a little bit about that in mental health later, but um, helping people makes me feel good, so I, you know, I am doing it for them, but I'm also doing it for myself.
0: Yeah, yeah but that, yeah, and I think that's, well, you are a very special person, but definitely helping people always makes us feel better, but with your role, you're pretty much helping people from 5am until you get to, pretty much until you get to bed, really, but... The, the stories that we've heard, and, and look, a lot of us in here would not have a clue what Lisa has to do every day, we get the stories, but that's not. And the stories are, are not for anything, it's just to let us know that, hey, we're, look how lucky are we, mm. look how lucky are we. And some of these beautiful kids, and some of them are older adults, she, uh, Lisa's worked in the post-school time mm. as well, so older adults and young adults and then medium to, to top-age teenagers just some amazingly beautiful parents out there that have to go through this and you see some of these parents uh, we know them as well some of these beautiful people and you just would not know they would not seem to have a worry in the world they are just they're always mm-hmm. smiling and and asking about you and, and and just an amazing people very empathetic very caring and then you can't, you have an idea what they go through and then if you hear a couple of stories from the parents about what happened last night and that and it's just unbelievable stuff. That it takes a very special person to do it, and I won't we won't talk too much about this. I wanted to touch on the disabled education because that is a big part of who Lisa is. Like you said, a quarter of a century of doing it, and you know that it's gonna shape you in some way, even if it's, if it's mm-hmm. for the better. Of course, oh, mm-hmm. it's shaped you for the better. How did you when you 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 knew that that was what you wanted to do? Did you did you think you'd be doing it this long?
1: Um, certainly not when I was at uni and I was doing it as a part-time job, um, but yeah I think when I came back from Africa and I sort of fell into, I was teaching at St Kilda Park Primary for a year um, and it just wasn't doing it for me and so I started to reflect and I think reflections, you know, it's a massive part of my life, I do a lot of reflection and I think um, and I did then, coming back from Africa, what I'd seen there, the gratitude lesson that that taught me, seeing, you know, the adversity, people, faith, um, then going back into sort of mainstream teaching. I, I, I don't know. I sort of had itchy feet for more. I didn't feel like I was contributing enough. I didn't feel like I was getting enough out of my job. So, so that made me think about going back into um, special needs, yeah.
0: yeah. I do love it. While we're on this, I want to get on the gratitude diary and a couple of those things that you've uh, taught a few of us over the journey, so I think we we're doing this really well with the one mic as well, Willow. You're doing, you're doing a great <laughs> job. Very trying circumstances at the moment. One microphone between the two of us, so we are getting the job done. Um, the gratitude diary. I want you to go to that, and then we're going to bring in the running and the the beautiful twins and family. But running, runners, mental health, emotional health. But just quickly, gratitude diary and and those because there's there's one stage where you were doing it daily i think with my wife as Mm. well so i really want you to touch on that for a minute or so
1: so i think as i was talking about with reflection before we've you know we've always got to be trying to do the things that make us feel good and try to better ourselves etc and you know i've tried um positive positive affirmations where i would um you know outwardly say something loudly you know something good about myself or I would do some mirror talk so looking at myself in the mirror and saying something nice to myself lots of different things but then um I came across um the resilience project and they talked about a gratitude diary keeping a gratitude diary and just popping in every day thinking of you know a couple of things that you are grateful for just run-of-the-mill everyday things so yeah I did that for a month um and it you know, just, yeah, that changed my life again. You know, that was another another lesson um, awesome. I've learned. And, you know, as I say, I mean, we're all on a journey. Um, I'm your average mother of two, um, wife, daughter as well, on this journey and trying to do things along the way. Um, and that was just one of them. And that, that, that gratitude diary um, just made me go back to the the real things in life, you know, the the basics that um, I'm grat- grateful for every day, you know, seeing, you know, my kids smile or, um, you know, a butterfly or, um, yeah, just the smallest things.
0: Something we all need reminded of often, and I think even me knowing all this, just talking to Lisa right now is reminding me again, because we forget. Mm. You, know, you get you get in the um, hustle and bustle, you get inside your own head or you... You're having a a really tough day, or even if you're just having a really anxious day, and you forget, or you forget what um, the simplicity of what Lisa's expressing there, which is so true. We'll touch on the family now, and then we'll get into the meat and potatoes of the intro that I gave you with all those amazing stats. The beautiful twins came into the world. Now that itself was a journey, and yeah, tell us, tell us about just the whole lead up. Now you've gone from having zero kids to two. So. Fill us in on the twins for a couple of minutes and then we'll get into the running.
1: So, Ricky Wilson and I um, got married in 2002. We, um, you know, planned to have children um, and um, that didn't really go according to plan to begin with. So, we ended up getting, um, you know, seeing a specialist, things weren't working out and ended up on the IVF journey. Now, that wasn't planned but, um, you know... It um, it ended up happening, and um, you know that was that was a really hard time. That was you know three years of, of IVF. Um, Ricky Wilson was amazing. Uh, he was he was a real rock in that time. I you know safe to say I got quite depressed. Um, and actually, it was interesting because we. <laughs> I mean, the result was Mia and Charlie, beautiful um, boy and girl, born in 2005. But, um, you know, the three years before that weren't the greatest. And I think if, if, you, if you'd known me then, you'd think, geez, you're a different person now, because I was I was very depressed and very anxious. My body wasn't doing what it should do. And um, and I remember at one stage, you know, seeing my doctor, and he said, you know, you've got depression, I think. And, and I remember going home and saying to Rick, oh, the doctor says I've got depression, and Rick said... Well, you've got to move, let's go, you need to exercise. So that was actually, you know, if I reflect, that was one of the earlier times in my life where um, I realized that was, you know, that was, you know, exercise was gonna be something that helped. Um, So yeah, so anyway, Mia and Charlie are now 14. um, And yeah, life's great, yeah.
0: It's amazing the foresight, uh, Ricky's a smart man, but that that's the foresight of him, uh, even in O5, because, look, we, we've tra- we've come a long way in 14 years with the stigmas and that's why, like, every one of us has gone through or will go through some form of, of a mental and emotional battle. So for Ricky to have the foresight in O5 to say, listen, or O4, whenever it was, before, I think it was before, then it? it's O4, does that listen, you've got to move? Yeah, Because right, yeah. he wouldn't, he possibly wouldn't have known about the neurotransmitters and everything that would the, the positive effect of exercise on the brain but he just knew you had to move and what a fantastic i actually didn't know that i didn't mm. know that was the mm. the whole beginning now post pubs, um the the twins are a couple of years of age and you begin jogging for fitness tell us how the jogging started firstly and just when you realize that i oh, actually like this and then obviously we'll get into how we met
1: Well, actually, um, so I had maternity leave for a year, 12 months, with Mayor and Charlie at home. And then when I was going back to work, um, I was just, you know, organising, uh, getting back to work. Ricky Wilson again said to me, if you're going back to work while you're, you know, a mother of two, I think you should probably you know, join a gym or do something for yourself because you're doing everything else for everybody else. So so he talked me into joining a gym as I was returning to work and um, I started just doing spin classes. And, you know, I was doing that three or four times a week. I did um, round the bay in a day, um, a few months down the track. And while I was going to the gym and I was doing that, I met you, Ricky. So that's where I, I met you. Um, and I was starting to dabble in a bit of, you know, running on the treadmill here and there, and um, building myself up to um, some fun runs. I remember my very first fun run was a run for the kids. Now I was never a runner, ne- definitely never a long distance runner, and I remember thinking, oh, I, I can't really do this, you know. I can you know, run, fun runs uh, for athletes was my mindset. I didn't realise it was just anybody and everybody. So yeah, so I did that. I did a Mother's Day classic, and I did a, a um, run with the kids, and then I did a half marathon at Melbourne, and that was a big turning point for me because I remember you know lining up at the MCG outside the MCG, and um, looking around and thinking they're not all athletes. They're, you know, this is everyday people I'm surrounded by, um, and you know, watching marathon runners crossing the finishing line, I was seeing the same. So. You know, I remember coming back to the gym and actually talking to you about that whole experience, Ricky, and saying, wow, you know, it's, it's interesting. You know, it, it takes all sorts to run. And it's not just, you know, for the elite or anything like that. So, um, and I, I, I remember you clearly saying to me, well, and I, you know, I was telling you about the marathon runners that I saw on this particular day. And, this, and you turned to me and said, um, well, you could do that. And I thought, gee. Maybe I could, you know. Whereas in the past, I'd always thought that, you know, it was quite an elite thing to do.
0: I think I think that's a big thing um with running the last, or probably the last twenty years. Definitely, that people, it's it's been such a good tool in people's lives. All kinds of training, obviously, but running. We're talking running today. Um, to be able to give them some some me time, I guess, and just be able to release whatever's going on and just train for something. So when I would I gave, I gave Willow a program um, for that half and then later on for the long stuff and she would print it off and tick it off and mm. the structure there is, is really positive because we're working towards mm. a big end goal, but also on a more micro scale, the ability to get the sessions done, have a positive impact on her day, see some people, talk to people, train, feel good, Every single day, so we're walking. We're working towards the big goal at the end of the cycle, whether it's 20 weeks, 25 weeks. But it's it's those little journeys every day mm. which we really love as well. We'll get to that later. But I'm big on this. So coming into your first marathon, you you were training with me a couple of times a week mm. at runners on the treadmill, a bit of strength work as well. Mm. You were starting to really go good, and you you had it, your first marathon was 2008. Do you want to take us through the yeah. debut and also just the the lead up because we might have had a lot of listeners out here that like we know it was, it was over 10 years ago now mm, for you but mm. you still remember it i no doubt as far mm. as the couple of days the whole experience the marathon debuts you only get one so yeah. marathon debuts in general just take us through all that it was in gold coast if i remember right yeah
1: well, it was gold coast um 2008 so july um, so, I think I had a twenty week program that you had written out for me specifically. It was very individualized for me, and that was my Bible. I loved it. I just loved it it was a you know it was a program where every day I would look at it i wouldn't have to think about anything else but what was written there and just do it um, so yeah, that was fantastic, and as I said you know i I was never a runner you know i'd never really. Done much running at all, apart from that sort of year build up beforehand. Um, but it was brilliant. It gave me a focus. So you know, I had a focus, obviously, with work and family and other things going on. But this was my focus for me, and um, and it was it was it was just fantastic. Um, you know, I I was very committed to it. I you know I did everything um, that was written on the program, um, and it just gave me something to put my mind to and when I completed it it you know it was that amazing satisfaction of, of, of um, achieving something um, so we, yeah we went up to the Gold Coast and um, but yeah it was it was an amazing event I didn't know much back then about nutrition or um, or anything but, it, but looking back I'm sort of kind of glad I didn't because there was it wasn't really a, a stressful event for me I just You know, I started and and went through the journey and finished.
0: You went for a pretty big stage of marathoning there. So from 08 till about 2011, you smashed out half a dozen or more, seven marathons. Probably finding that marathoning, as it turned into a bit of a strength of yours. But I think that's got a, a few factors at play, the mental strength. The ability to just relax for two or three hours at a time while running um, and obviously you, you are a very efficient little runner as well so that's a technical strength but definitely the mindset and if you if you remember listeners some of the other ultra guys so willow loves the long stuff loves the hills loves all that real tough stuff some of those ultra guys that we've had on so the mel yuris and the ash phrases very similar personalities as far as they'll just take everything in their stride and lisa's no different like if I went and told Lisa she had to run an 80K, she just would have done it. She just would have run the 80K and got from point A to point B. And that's a big strength of hers. And I really want that to come through again today because I feel like if distance running is something that you want to do, I loved when Willow just mentioned before about having a structure. And I love that as an athlete and a coach, mm. as a coach especially, of course, because we, we're so busy and we need something for ourselves. Now, it doesn't have to be... It doesn't have to be running, but something of this nature where you know you're working towards, continually working on improvement. And what do we say, like, at the end of this show? Like, we we'll to do something today that's going to make us better tomorrow. So if I had a, a strength program on there for Willow, if it was with me, or she'd do that. If it was a, a runner's A or a runner's B or a long run, she'd do that. If it was a recovery or a regeneration or a water walk, she'd do that. So every day, I had something that Willow had to tick off. And that's that hasn't changed in the last dozen years, but... We got her to Gold Coast and the Melbourne, and then to other ones, Canberra, which we'll mm. talk about. In some of the best shape of her life, because she just followed it, and there was no, there was no stressing about and if you if you missed a session, you missed a session. But she just mm. she was a, a always was and still is meticulous with those kinds of things, and you just make sure we get it done. With the running, did you the racing? What was your favourite marathon and? Just give the listeners a bit of a, a reason why. It doesn't have to be because of the city or anything. Just more. It could be the city, but mm. w- that everything just felt amazing and you felt so strong and you got to 37K, feeling like you could keep going over 20. Which one, if you th- quickly think back, and i will put you on the spot there.
1: Um, I'd have to say, no, because that comes to mind really quickly, actually. I would have to say Great Ocean Road Marathon. So that's a, a marathon festival in May um every year down around apollo bay lawn to apollo bay this event was um it's very undulating so undulating hills now i'd just i can't remember if i'd come off um running some mount bullers and mount wellington yeah i'd I'd come i'd come off running um training for a half up mount wellington which is in which is straight up and it's um in hobart so doing a half there and then coming off that and then continu- continuing my training, so that was the November through to the May. Um, you know, I was injury-free, felt great, and, yeah, that was that was a fantastic marathon. I do remember, though, because, you know, little voice pops into your head. I remember the first 5Ks of that marathon, and I was running up a hill, and I thought, oh, far out. Jesus, I've still got 39Ks to go. And that was playing on my mind. But, um, I just said to myself, you know, one foot in front of the other and, you know, you just got to keep fighting that that little voice that pops up because it does pop up, you know. It really does pop up. Um, It even popped up for me this morning. I was just, I was doing a 16K run out along Beach Road today and every now and then the voice comes, the little voice says stop or not today or turn around or walk um, and you just have to keep shutting that voice down um so yeah the 5k mark i had to do a fair bit of that but then you know i i just kept doing the one step in front of the other and got there and i yeah i did i actually finished it quite strongly um so yeah yeah
0: i remember that so well that was may of 2012 um we go down there every year to great ocean road it's four hours from our headquarters in melbourne for your listeners out of australia and it's it is very bloody hilly number one number two it's 45k, so she's added an extra two and a half, three on for good measure. Um, but she did look very strong now. that that stage. I wanted that, I love the fact that Willow was saying about the voice in the head because that happens to all of us mm. all the time. And it might mm. not even be running related, it could yeah. be anything. Yeah. But it's it's very, very important that she said that. And the more you just learn the tactics, you just work through it. And Willow's at that stage, you just one foot in front of the other. Like like I'm out here enjoying moving, being able to put one foot in front of the other. Mm. and. And get from point A to point B in in this beautiful, um, serene beachside town that happened to have a lot of bloody hills. But she was so strong, there was a big method to our madness of that race. So I remember that was a long time ago now, but I reckon I remember the programs. So mm. we'll I had Mount Wellington in Tasmania, which is literally 21.1 up, yeah. starting yeah. a town in the city of hobart sorry and you literally finish in sleet and snow at the top of mount wellington which was i went and did that with her and it was four or five the old veterans dc and hannah fought H, yep. from what i remember that just the four of us and then we uh willow and hannah had the idea to start a bit of a maybe a fun run in victoria the same thing so me and shelly jumped on board and and that was another one of our ventures which you won't go into too much now but mirabella mountain we started that and that was out Mount Buller, so mm. we'd done a practice run for that as well in 2012 February. So, this is the training Willow's doing. She's probably been at Mount Buller mm. and Mount Wellington, but probably Mount Buller half a dozen at least times in the lead up to that marathon. So, she was so ready for hills. So, those hills we talk about mm. like they, so were, they, they were nothing for at least mm. on the race day. Another one of like I guess the old Kenyan uh, train hard, race easy kind of stuff with that. And it's like anything if you're training for. A marathon, and you really want to break a time, you need to do the the hills number one, but that was a hills specific event. But you need to be running at paces far quicker, so then aerobic in training at least once or twice a week. So this is why we do what we do here for so long: um, the fart legs, the VO2 work, the aerobic power, the speed endurance, and the hills. So then you can get out on your long runs and feel you look forward to your long runs because the the pace is down, the heart rate's down and you're in zone two, and zone two feels bloody fantastic. You can do it all day long. Very similar analogy to Lisa's Hills in that preparation. So I actually, I'm glad you mentioned that, because that Mm. led me on to that. But Great Ocean Road, fantastic. The hill running, can you take us through quickly with Mount Buller and and Mirabella Mountains? Because you did run, we held three formal events, um, um, sanctioned events, but Lisa would have at least ran that mountain 10 to 12 times. Listeners, it's... 21k up and it climbs well over i think it's well over nearly 1600 vertical meters over 21k so you have a think about that
1: mm. so tell
0: us about mirabella mountain your mindset and all that kind of stuff when you attack those kind of things
1: so i think i mean i think we went to mount Buller because you know we live we live bayside Bayside uh, Melbourne and it's as flat as a tack so to, to do any hill running apart from sort of heading out I suppose Mount Eliza Way but some real decent hill climbs you sort of do have to go out to, to that country region we um yeah oh look I don't know I just really it, the hills seemed to um I, just suited me I, I I I think initially when I first started running and when I, I um Trained for my very first marathon, which was Gold Coast, and that's as flat as a tack. I didn't do any hill running, so I probably avoided hills back then. Um, I think I remember in a, in my early programs, you'd set me a few targets, like you know a few reps up Oliver's Hill. Um, I didn't enjoy them back then, and. Um, I probably would try and avoid them if I could, but um, yeah, I just ended up with a bit of confidence and a bit of a grind. Um, really starting to enjoy the hills. Um, I I could, I could, I was noticing that I was getting a lot more powerful um, and a lot stronger. So I think that as well encouraged me mm-hmm. to keep on going. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, running up Mount Buller, you know, again, it's one step in front of the other. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. It is straight up. You know, when you're running undulating hills around Mount Eliza and places like that, you can sort of look to the peak and know that you're recovering on the way down. But with Mount, Mount Bully, you, you're not going to recover until you get to the top. So I was determined not to stop and just get there, basically.
0: <laughs> I love that. And that there, because it is. And hills, look, we do program them a lot. And we obviously do them at Runners in HQ here. For the, those of you that are on the, um, the Runners Ultimate online, you obviously have got your runners hills there, but runners hills in here is once a month. So we definitely throw them in because we do live in Bayside and we are 20 30 minutes from any hills. But that is not a hill. What Lisa, what Lisa is describing is a legit mountain, and I, I ran it half a dozen times. So she did double at least 12, I reckon. But with um, with the hills as well, please don't avoid them because they are in there for a reason, mm, and they're and they're so you get so much bang for your buck. Mm. Like even, even though it feels like oh I'm running slow or whatever. You get so much bang for your buck on a neuromuscular level, um, a strength endurance level, and just efficiency level. So you get back on the flat. You're actually running really efficiently. Tell me about the the last. So we ran we ran the. Um, what was your last marathon? Greatest Shamrock. After you've had a few years of
1: bit of a spell not
0: racing, I just want to know. I want to lead this little lead me on to why you train every day and i think this is the big one that people i really want to take over take away from this because willow's brilliant at just getting in here like i said quarter to five pretty much every day now you could find a thousand excuses why not to get up at four thirty in the morning can you tell the listeners you haven't raced for four or five years you're on the comeback trail now tell the listeners why you still get up every day if you're not racing at the
1: moment so well i I probably had a spell initially through injury i I had a few niggles here and there um and also now and back then i was working part-time now i'm working full-time so yeah just you know teenage kids running them everywhere um new job teaching full-time etc sort of yeah i've taken a bit of a back step in terms of I had taken a bit of a back step in terms of um, events and things like that, but um, for me, you know, and, and everybody, um, you need, everybody needs to find what works for them. But for me and my mental health, it's really important that I start my day with exercise. It just grounds me. It gives me energy. Um, I, you know, I go off to work feeling, you know, fantastic. Certainly Mondays, you know, I remember, you know, years ago always having that dreaded Monday-itis feeling. Mondays for me, in fact, actually now, because I've conditioned, I'm so conditioned with this, on a Sunday afternoon or Sunday evening, rather than, um, you know, feeling depressed about Monday and the five days ahead, I actually get excited about going to runners at 5.30 in the morning. Now, people might think that's weird, but for me it works and that's that. that really is the honest truth. Um, that definitely cures my Mondayitis um, and routine so the routine is important too knowing that you know at 5 30 every morning in fact you know my body clock just is up you know I'm, I'm awake at quarter to five check on the uh, runners now I also for people who see me here you know it's five or six days a week I don't smash smash myself six days a week you know I there's a couple of days where I will I'll pick a a running session where I will smash myself or a S&C session where I will smash myself. But for the the other times, you know, I'm just training. And, you know, I may not be training to 100%. I could be doing 70%, but it's all around being here and being consistent and having my routine um, and just, yeah, just getting it done. So, That is
0: i'm going to caption that up that is awesome that two minutes of absolute pure gold because you're probably sick of me saying it especially the people that have been following me online for a while that is pure gold and it came out of your mouth so much better i reckon than than these guys hearing me say it all the time Two, two things to take away every day just because she knows she needs it willow and i'm could not be um could not be more of an advocate for that because we all need it let's be honest but if, if we put it off the Monday artist quote was one of the greatest yeah, that's magnificent and it's true, you, you would you would you would see Lisa in here and getting around everyone so it gives everyone the towers at the end of the session so will I get around 25 people and just no one's got Monday artists anymore mm. okay and that's not a plug for this joint. it's just no. a plug for moving in general yeah, yeah. if you're listening to us in New York or London you make sure you get up and you move because that is a surefire way to cure Monday artists that is fantastic Will and the other one was what we preach again so Lisa might have heard me say it like tens of thousands of times but it's ingrained in her as well and her coaching is it's not well not humanly possible number one but it's also just dumb to try to smash yourself every day. Mm. We are in this journey for the long haul. It is hardwired. We are going to do it for the next 50 years. And the only way we're going to get better is to give ourselves easy. We still want to move and mm. train. You can jog easy. You can lift. But you don't have to flog yourself six days a week. Mm. Anyone that knows anything about physiology knows that that's a surefire way to go backwards in more ways than one. Okay, Immune system dysfunction, injuries, and just general not recovering enough so you're actually never going to get the gains the stimulus and the adaptation gains that you should that is brilliant jesus that that i know that to go viral what you just said there mm. mental health and emotional health um in a training sense i believe like we spoke about it earlier has come so far and i feel like there's a lot of listeners out there that will resonate with this and i feel like it's come so far that we're we're at the point now where a lot more people are doing what you're doing and what I'm doing. Well, like, there's a reason I also train very early in the morning before I even start, like three days a week, mm. because I just need it. Like I would, I would, I'm a much better coach, a much better husband, mm. much better person when I train, whether it's 4:30 in the morning or whenever I get a chance. But like Lisa, I I agree. I reckon first thing is great. Tell me about what you're witnessing in the community on the mental health, emotional health, and just. People, in, look, you can use this space because we are, a, I guess, a percentage of the community. We've got 250 beautiful people in here. The um, Obviously, all the online guys remotely, mm. it's a bit harder to gauge, but they, you can use these 250 and just see how people are just using it. Give us, any, give us what your take is on it now in 2019 and, and how in touch people are.
1: Um, it's, and just on that before, so the clarity of mind too, you know, the clarity of mind that I have when I go to work after um, a session here, it's it's amazing. I'm far more efficient with my work, and far more effective as an employee, etc. So it's an absolute win-win. Um, but in terms of, um, you know, getting up and, and sharing a space with, you know, 30 other people um, at 5.30 every morning, you know, it's a community. Um, people come, people, you know, we're all different ages, um, shapes and sizes. We're all here um, with different goals as well, um, using this space together. But, but And without realizing we're all connecting and connection's obviously really important for our mental health. So we're all here connecting, um, you know, everybody's, you know, greets each other, um, trains, runs, you know, lifts, etc. next to each other. All for different reasons, um, but you know, I can honestly say um, the mental health and well-being and the positive positivity that it brings amongst us all is is just incredible. And you can't, you know, you can't put you can't put um, any you know amount price, of yeah. price on that. Yeah. You know, so um, you know, I've met some amazing people. As I said, we're all different walks of life, um, but we're we're all brought together with one you know with one focus.
0: Mm and that's um obviously willow works here now but um for 10 11 years she was just a she was another athlete just inspiring people around her and helping people around her for just for no other reason but just to be just to be that person that helps um the best thing about that is as well all different shapes and sizes all different experience levels so running Mm -hmm. like literally running age or training age we call it in in the sports science field some of these girls and guys have been running without a break since they were 12 13 14 so they're extremely high level and some some of these beautiful people are starting their jogging careers at 60 and that's what we love to see so we got we got five or six that are over 65 in here and they're literally and they're, we've also got some professional athletes and some extremely good runners in here but no one would know who's who And no one would care. And that's what I really wanted to promote when I started this journey. Um, I wanted to promote an all-inclusive, non-judgmental space. And I think um, between me, Shell, and the staff, like Willow, it's definitely very easy to do because you've got like-minded people that Mm -hmm. believe in the same product as you. We are moving over to that space now just for two or three minutes. You don't have to talk too much about it because um, I think everyone knows about it. But runners... For you, now, this is, oh, if I know Willow, this could go for 15 minutes, but we'll keep it down to one or two because you are you are one of our biggest advocates, so I don't want to feel like it's a paid ad. But runners for you over the last 12 years, and and I guess, because it has been a big part of your life, that's 12 years mm. of your life, which is an enormous percentage. For you, and and I guess you can, you can talk for other people as well if you like. Uh, so
1: runners... Well, it's community you know it's um, you know it's a, it's a massive community um, and and with community with that real sense of that word comes support so you know you can walk in at any time of the day and you know there's no judgment it's all support so zero judgment 150 percent support really and you know and again it's connection as well so connecting with people whether you're you know whether you're up for a, a big long chat or you're not up for a big long chat you, you're there connecting. Because you, you, you know, you're alongside each other. It's just amazing. I've met I've met incredible people through through this um, this organisation. And you know, if you know, I think Ricky, um, you asked me a while ago. You know, who's your inspiration, or you know, who is it that inspires you? And I'd have to say, you know, most of the people here. Mm. Um, you know, for one reason or another, you know. There are so many different people I've met and they're all here for different reasons, different goals, but um, just seeing their commitment, you know, coming in day in, day out, whether it's, you know, five days a week or three days a week or or whatever um, and mixing it up with whatever else they're doing, you know, just that commitment to um, physical well-being, physical health and well-being and the mental side as well. I, um, you know, and I get, I think I get a lot of stimulation and a lot of motivation off um being around you know just the average person next to me on the treadmill or you know on the mat next to me from um from from runners um as a coach I you know my personality is that I just love helping people I love helping people be the best that they can be that's why I moved into teaching I just I think you know the children of today we need to continue to just foster and 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 make them feel good about themselves um and I think that's the case for everybody so for me as a coach I just want people to feel good about themselves um I want them to achieve their goals um whatever the, their goals are um you know and for all of us everybody to have that feel good feeling we all want to feel good we all want to um survive the life journey we need to find what works for us um runners has definitely worked for me over 12 years I feel so grateful that um that you know I, that you know that I'm a part of this this um community and i think um you know i'd have to say everybody else would too
0: we've definitely come a long way from that wednesday night session lisa yeah, Five it was just bucks. lisa five bucks she <laughs> was my very first ever athlete five i don't bucks. think
1: that paid for your petrol no, to get back home i
0: couldn't didn't pay for my petrol to get there but <laughs> we persisted and we've come a long way um that is brilliant and i don't want to um go over the same stuff too much but we definitely, there's probably five or six nuggets of that. And I knew if someone like Willow having known her so well that there is, she's a very, very, very good runner, very strong runner, very very talented runner and very mentally tough. But like you can learn that any day, right? Lisa's, most of five or six of Lisa's belters of, um, of nuggets of wisdom were always, I knew, were always going to come from the the empathy stuff because she's an amazing coach for that reason she just genuinely wants the best out of for everybody she comes in contact with she wants the best and wants them to get better and just yeah be happy look or the feel good feeling that was a good one obviously the the two or three minutes about the monday artist that was unbelievable because that is everyone in life if we if we don't change it Mm -hmm. okay if we continue on the journey we're going well nothing's going to change and clearly the gratitude and and that kind of stuff has just been unbelievable. But We're listening to this now and I don't think many of us, I know Willow won't say this, but the parents that Willow works with and the kids, um, you've got to be a very special person to, those parents are amazing and obviously Willow and her fellow teachers as well. So you can tell the kind of person we're dealing with. Back to the athletic scale though, we'll go a few quick fire questions and then we'll finish up for today. Lisa is on three of our Runners Ultimate videos and she's going to be on a couple more as well. So you'll be you'll be able to put a face to the name, especially if you guys are training with us online. You'll be able to put a face to the name. She's on a few of those sessions. We filmed those a few years ago and we've got a few more getting done over the next few weeks. So look out for Willow. And please, Willow mentioned community so much. If you are online, you are part of our community as well. So from wherever you are in the world just hit us up on the socials maybe a bit of a selfie of you running to to the runners online program and, and just chuck it up on our socials we'd love to see that i'll get that a bit so please don't be shy doing that Quick fire questions for lisa wilson remembering we've got one mic like we're passing today which <laughs> has been a, a lot better than i thought it would be when i remembered we only had one today favorite type of session
1: Ah uh, well, I yeah well I'd have to say Monday mornings because to cure the Monday itis, love a Monday morning at five thirty. Um, runners would have to be hills, I'd say. Although i I do I, I love the hills. However, um, yeah, I'm partial to them all really. Speed endurance is a good one. Um, but yeah, and look, I've I've come to a few four forty-five a.m. sessions lately, so I'd have to, and I'm starting to love them. <laughs> so yeah, but definitely the runners hills runners
0: hills yeah um you would be in the minority there is no doubt about that hills are not popular but they need to get done. willows in that 10 percent that love them favorite distance now i'll put this to you this way most enjoyable distance but also the distance you think that if you had to run for prize money from 15 from the mile 1500 up to 100k if you had to run and come higher up the order to get more money at your very best, where which distance would you hand pick to try to come high up the order?
1: Oh wow! Um, I, my favourite look—I suppose my favourite ever um, run was probably the heart 23 at Great Ocean. I, um, anything that's undulating hills—I love—I love undulating hills. So, yeah, probably the 23 is ideal. Yeah. Um, and as a working mum, you know, it's an easy—it's—it's a, it's a good one to train for.
0: Yeah, it is. So that 90 minutes to two hours yeah, of, yeah. Of, of lactate yep. threshold yep. dear work. And she, yep. I guess because you have, especially when you were extremely long distance fit, dropping back in distance, you, you know that you can really tough that mm-hmm. out and you can mm-hmm. run strong. Favourite athlete, coach, inspiration? I know it's a bit hard, but is there anyone, I guess, over the journey that you've looked at, doesn't even have to be running, favourite athlete, coach, just inspiration for you externally?
1: Um, so... Obviously, Karen McCann, I think I would have to say, mainly because she was up there when I was starting my journey. So I looked to her for inspiration and when she won Commonwealth Gold, like that was pretty amazing, you know, running into the MCG, I I felt how she would feel. And I remember when I was doing my long distance um, training for my first marathon, I would actually think about her and not pretend I was her, but you know, pretend that I was running into the MCG amongst, you know, a home crowd. So um, that gave me inspiration. Um, Obviously, the first woman that ever, um, you know, ran a marathon, Catherine Switzer. Um, Deeks was another inspiration, I think, because, you know, in the 80s, when he was at his best, um, I remember watching him at Commonwealth Games in um, Brisbane. I found that pretty inspirational. yeah, so, you know, in terms of, um, yeah, sort of, you know, people out there. But definitely I find inspiration, as I said to Ricky, around runners every day. Every day. The people I train with.
0: And that's, yeah, the, that's how good that, that, you can walk in to a venue. And, and the other thing Lee said before about not, and we don't, like, at any sporting club, you don't have to always be talking flat out. Mm. But you can just come in and be inspired by those mm. around you. But not even, like, say, just having a nice smile and saying mm. hello maybe a couple of words and then you might talk in 20 minutes, but the inspiration is, is not far. You don't have to go far to find it. Ultimate day in the life of Lisa Wilson. So you you could do anything you want. The ultimate day from in the life, please. Just give us that one.
1: Well, firstly, because firstly, we do joke about this, I always think to myself, if I didn't have to work and um, I would love to be a full-time athlete and just train every day, that to me would be the ultimate. Mm. But in terms of um, mm. the right thing to say, if Ricky Wilson's listening, I would have to say, you know, spending um, <coughs> spending the day with my beautiful family um, at a holiday destination of our choice. I, you know, yeah, but, um, yeah, but yeah, definitely, you know, um, training as an athlete would be could, how, how amazing would that be it's the best you could <laughs> and get paid for it <laughs> that would be even better
0: not, not much money in athletics but yeah that'd be even better but listen that you could you could incorporate it too you could do a you could do a double runner session in the morning you could have a recovery maybe a breakfast with the family yeah and you can perfect go for a long yeah. run and then have dinner with the family <laughs> per- and then go to the beach so you feel like you're going away what's the future hold for willow um we don't want to i guess you just more, I guess. Keep this one on a running sense. Well, what was yeah. the future hold for Lisa Wilson?
1: Um, well, I'm feeling good at the moment. So you know, I ran 16k this morning, and I'm hoping to do the um, participate in the 23k in um, May at Great Ocean Road. So I feel like there's a bit of a comeback because mm. I haven't I haven't done anything really. It's been more about working, as I said, and supporting my kids. So the last few times I've been down at Great Ocean Road, it's been running with my kids, doing the 6K and helping them along. Um, but I feel like for me now, it's, yeah, it's my time again to to do that. And then, you know, if the body holds up, I wouldn't mind smashing out a marathon. Yeah. Yep.
0: I feel like Lisa keeps leading me into some nuggets here. Now, Willow, we talk about the maintenance phase. That was one of the last question in the in the quick fires, but what Lisa just said, she feels like she's finally got the opportunity and the feels feeling good. A very intense full-time job, obviously two young teenagers, could have easily dropped off, but the maintenance phase the last five years has been strong. So mm-hmm. five or six days a week, mainly we train for mental and emotional health. But the nice byproduct of that is Willow stayed fit as a trout. So she's extremely fit, extremely strong. So injury proof, but also now that the worlds have aligned and we can actually train a bit more volume on the weekends all of a sudden it's not up too much of an ask for Lisa to go and run a a 16 week 23k plan because she's been in a good level of fitness Mm. for five years without racing so you don't always have to be racing either I guess is what I want to get my point across You, you could go three years and just just be training in maintenance phase like Willow has and absolutely as fit as anyone but has not raced because just it hasn't worked out for the last few years so i'm so excited to see her compete we can't wait now what we'll do as on all runners radio guests we certainly will keep you updated with their journey so we have the great oceans A really good um cultural event for us we have this year we've got over a hundred going if you can believe that over a hundred so it's a real big social weekend as well everyone gets out and supports each other from all distances from the 1.5k kids race and but every race finishes at different times, so everyone can see everyone race. It's the best. And we can see all the finishes. It's really cool. 1.5K, we've got many in the 6. We've got a lot in the 14, a lot in the 23, Willow included. We've got a couple doing the marathon, and we've got one doing the 60K. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the ultra Brett Foss. So, so those those um, athletes will all get the support of 99 of their best mates which is and their families and friends, which is unbelievable. So we can't wait for that. We'll keep you updated with Willow. Willow, this won't be the last time you hear from her or see her. She'll be in a few of our strength videos. We've got a lot of strength series coming up. Okay, a few different titles on those, which we're really excited about bringing you. But for now, I'm going to say thank you so much to Lisa.
1: Thanks for having me, Ricky. It's been great. She's thank a, you.
0: Wasn't sure how she'd go on, she going. <laughs> she Willow wasn't sure how she got a microphone. Sixty three <laughs> minutes of brilliance. So well, that is pure gold. And I tell you what, she's been a teacher and a coach her whole life. As if she wasn't going to be great. Thanks so much, Willow. You are the best and we do love you. She's um a very good close friend to our family as well. And he's actually the godmother to my youngest daughter, Vader. So very uh, special to us. Now, listeners, make sure you are doing something today that's going to make you better tomorrow. Take care of each other. This has been Runners Radio, The Deep Dive. <music>